Last week we honored mothers a little bit in our sermon time. The week before that we started this sermon. Uh, it's a two-part sermon. Uh, the first one was entitled Interested in Others. Today's entitled Interested in Unity. And I began that first sermon with uh, the information that the elders had decided to go ahead with a small group ministry here at Northside and discussed that a little bit and uh, some of the details of it and uh, the fact that we were going to spend two Sundays talking about the details of it and some of the things that people might have questions about. The last time we were together, we started with the history of small groups and Northside for that matter because we've uh, done small groups a couple of times before. Uh, then I talked about a Lego illustration about connections and then we closed with the fact that the decision was not about you. Uh, it's about the unconnected is why we're considering this program, starting this program, is uh, there's folks here that still aren't connected. As many ministries and opportunities as we have, uh, we haven't got everybody involved yet, so we want to try one more thing. Uh, I want to clear up a couple of things from that sermon, and then we'll talk about today's topic of unity. First of all, I need to clear up the Lego illustration a little bit. I made the Lego illustration uh, saying that people only have so many connecting points. And so that if you've been here a long time and you're involved in a lot of ministries and you have a lot of close friends and all that, it's possible that all your connecting points are filled up. And that if somebody else comes new into Northside, some new member or something, uh, you don't have room to become close friends with them. Uh, they may have a whole bunch of open connecting points. They're looking for friends. They're looking for somebody to be involved with. They're looking for ministries. So in the overall picture, probably the small group ministry will be more attractive to folks that are uh, new and not connected and not involved. Uh, I used as an illustration, Cindy and I, we've been here a long time. We've got lots of close friends, and I talked about the fact that if you come into Northside, I'll, I'll, we'll be nice to you and try to meet you and learn something about you, but you're probably not going to be my best buddy. Uh, I think is kind of what I said. Well, all week the office staff told me how to rewrite that. They had all sorts of suggestions, and they explained that I sh that, that that didn't sound good. That I should have talked about. Well, you can you can stack Legos up, and you can have a lot more friends. They just won't be real close. And so I took all that abuse all week, and finally I went home and told Cindy. I said, "You won't believe this. The office staff's been rewriting my sermon all week." She said, "Well, it needed a little help." So, <laughs> She said, she said, it sounded a little harsh. She said, and a few people have been picking on me, telling me, well, you don't want any more friends, huh? and all that. So obviously I didn't explain myself uh, too well. Uh, so let me make a couple of points that maybe will clear it up. Number one, I hope to make a whole lot more friends. Uh, I, I want a lot of friends. Uh, <laughs> 
And um, I, I hope overall that the people with open connection points got the point. Uh, that that's one reason small groups is being started is to, to look for folks that are looking for somebody. Uh, luckily, right after the sermon last two weeks ago, uh, I got I did get a little reinforcement. Uh, I heard of one new couple, and I call them new. They've been here probably less than a year. Uh, he's a recent convert to Christ, and uh, they've become been coming here for almost a year. And they were so excited about this opportunity to get connected because they weren't connected. And they had their names written on a, a card and ready to give it to an elder to, to find a way to get into this small group thing. Okay? And there's folks out there like that, that, that just haven't found a way yet. Uh, so that's the one I was trying to make out of that. Now, the other thing I thought of it was we said the small groups would be sermon-based that the small groups would discuss what we discussed on Sunday mornings. Whenever they met during the week, they can discuss that sermon and apply it, sort of. And I thought maybe there's an opportunity for the first small group. We'll get the group of people that like to critique the sermon. Uh, and they can <laughs> No, we don't want one like that. Um, another thing on that, and I didn't mean it this way, but I got thinking through it. If you interpreted my little Lego illustration as instead of people and close friends, if you think of it as ministries, uh, that's also a good application because there's a lot of folks that are involved in a lot of ministries or involved in one big one that takes up all their time. Uh, if you're, you're full with ministries uh, and have no open connections, you probably won't be interested in small groups. But some people might want to change. Some folks may say, well, I've always wanted to be in a small group. I've always wanted to study the Bible with a small group of people, and I think that would be great. And you may have to unconnect some other ministry. Now, that's not the main intent of it. Uh, we don't want everybody changing ministries all of a sudden. Uh, but if you think through it, and that's... Uh, uh, best thing for you, and you can find a replacement or not leave a huge gap in the ministry you're unconnecting from, that's fine. We want people to help grow them up in, in the church. So uh, those are the two clarifications I'd make, I guess. Second thing I want to talk about a little bit, because I've had some people mention it to me, is, is Sunday night. This whole matter of Sunday night. Uh, some fear that a small group ministry... Uh, would adversely affect Sunday night attendance. Uh, and last time I said, this is not about Sunday nights. Uh, groups can meet any time they want, uh, and it's not about Sunday night in the sense of trying to, uh, to change Sunday night in any way. Now, the reason I want to spend a little time on this is, I, for instance, I got an email a few weeks ago, actually, before we started talking about this, a new member. Well, he's been here a while, uh, but not too long. And he's kind of, I'll call him old school. I don't think he'd mind me telling, calling him that. And he sent me an email. He said, I've been noticing. He said, the attendance on Sunday night doesn't seem very good. He said, is there some reason for that? Are there some classes meeting somewhere else or something that I don't know about? It just doesn't seem like very many folks come back for Sunday night. 
And so I answered him and told him some of the things I'm going to tell you here. Uh, that brother's not alone. You know, uh, this is no secret. Uh, if you take the Christian Chronicle, read it. Uh, recently they had a big article on Sunday nights among churches of Christ are disappearing. Uh, they're getting smaller and smaller. People are stopping meeting on Sunday night. And they ask if anybody's got any good ideas. Well, I read all 70 or 80 responses uh, to that, and nobody really had any good ideas. You know, a few things have worked a few places, but uh, it's just a fact that Sunday night attendance uh, among Churches of Christ is shrinking, including Northside. Um, Northside, uh, 10 years ago, uh, 60% of the Sunday morning attendance came back on Sunday night. 40% of you didn't. Uh, that's 10 years ago. Today, 40% come back on Sunday night. So it's fallen 20% of Sunday morning attendance in 10 years. Uh, well, like that brother asked me in the email, why? Why, why is that happening? And the Christian Chronicle article mentioned a few reasons, they said, but nobody's got the reason. Uh, since people are concerned about it and why is that happening, I thought I'd just take a little bit of my time this morning and throw a few things out there that might be a reason. Uh, the big reason, and the overall way I'd say it, is times have changed. Doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's good. It's just a fact. Times have changed. Uh, society has changed. Uh, Forty, fifty years ago, uh, this country had laws that you couldn't do things on Sunday. You couldn't open stores. You couldn't have sporting events. You could, you had to go to church. You know, you didn't have to go to church, but you couldn't open your stores and shop on Sunday. Uh, blue laws. I mean, that's a huge difference. Can you imagine a law like that today? Uh, today, I still will be going home after lunch or something, and I'll drive past a liquor store in the parking lot. I'll have cars in it. And I'll look over and say, I just can't get used to that. That just seems weird to see cars in a liquor store parking lot on Sunday. Well, I've only had that for a few years. But times change. Some of these young people are looking at me like, What's strange about that? Uh, it's just customary today, but it's different than it used to be. Uh, if you were an organization or a school or a civic organization or whatever, and you were looking to schedule an event, when you got your calendar out, you didn't consider Sunday or Wednesday night. Because church folks went to church on Sunday, and a lot of them went on Wednesday night, and you just couldn't get a crowd to come to whatever you're planning. That's the way it used to be. Times have changed. Uh, the way we teach has changed. I think we need to be upfront about that and admit that. Uh, when I was growing up, when I was young, I think we were a little more rigid, shall we say, in teaching. I think we had a little more of a checklist of what it meant to be a faithful Christian. And Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night were kind of in that list somewhere. Whether we came right out and said so or not, that's kind of the way we treated it. Uh, I very well remember a 
sermon, but a specific sermon, by a visiting evangelist that had a gospel meeting at Northside. If I mentioned his name, many of you would recognize him. Great evangelist, did a lot of good. But he preached one sermon one night during the meeting about attendance and about being at church on Sunday night and Wednesday night and how important that was, beyond important, basically how mandatory that was. And the impression I got from listening was uh, he was about 99% sure that if you didn't come on Sunday night and Wednesday night, you were going to hell. Okay? And some of you are sitting out there right now thinking, well, if he left that much doubt, he had to be a liberal. Well, that's the way we used to think and teach. <laughs> See, I know I hit home with that one. You didn't laugh. You kind of grimaced like, ooh, that's right. That's the way we were. We, we don't talk like that anymore. Uh, another thing I think's happened is I think Satan, and I'll blame him for it, uh, Satan has got us hooked with busyness. He's got us involved in so many things that we don't have time to do anything else. Uh, we don't have time to do some good things that we ought to do. Uh, young families especially have got to really prioritize to even survive. Uh, and and the ones that even the ones that do it real well still struggle to fit everything in. I don't know how young people do it these days. My uh, eldest son that lives in Atlanta, Cindy's down there right now with them, and they don't allow any TV from Monday through Thursday. TV doesn't come on. But they've got an elementary school student and a middle school and a high school, and they are constantly on the go. I mean, from sunup to bedtime. Constantly going somewhere, doing something, and they work hard at not getting their kids overly involved, I think. So I think that's how we've gotten somehow is we've, we're just so busy with so many things. Now, that's different than it used to be. I mean, when I was young, when our family, or when, even when my family was young, uh, we'd get the calendar out, and Sunday was off limits for anything, and Wednesday night was off limits for anything. You just didn't schedule those for anything. Nothing, nothing else happened. This is what you did on Sunday. You came to church both times. You came to church on Wednesday night. And if there were any other activities during the week, you did that. And that left the calendar wide open <laughs> for lots of other options. I mean, there were nights we didn't have anything to do compared to today. Now, today when a young family sits down and looks at their calendar... <clears throat> They got hardly any openings. I mean, every night's filled with something. And a lot of us that aren't that young anymore are booked up too. So the few spots that are open become what I would call discretionary time. You got to decide how to use it. See, I never had to think what to do on Sunday night. 
there was one thing you did on Sunday night. Tonight's, today's families in general consider that discretionary time. What am I going to do with Sunday night if it's not scheduled with something else already? Okay, And I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just the way it is. And they're, they're choosing what they think is best for their family. You can sit there and shake your head or say, I don't think that's right or whatever. But the numbers show exactly what's happening. We're, we're way busier than we used to be. Uh, and you may not like that, but all I can say is the suggestion box is open. You know, somebody wants to tell us how to change society, go ahead. We don't know. Uh, okay, that's the end of that topic. I just want to talk about Sunday night a little bit, uh, except to say this. Uh, small groups have nothing to do with trying to fix Sunday night or replace Sunday night. Not anything in the plan about small groups. Now, small groups may choose to meet then. Uh, they may choose to meet Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 8 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever they want. Um, and that may bother some of you, but look at it this way. Let me just give you one other perspective here. 400 of you are not coming back tonight. Okay. You may be. In your seat, you may say, well, I'm coming back. Okay, well, 400 folks aren't. And about 140 more than would have come back 10 years ago are not coming back tonight. So think of it this way. Out of that 400 or out of that 140 who have stopped in the last 10 years, what if 10 or 20 or 40 or 50 or 60 of them chose to get together with other Christians and study the Bible instead of whatever they're doing now? Would that be a good thing? That, that would be a good thing. Okay? Uh, if you can figure out a way to change society and the culture we live in, okay. Uh, but small groups may be an answer for some folks. Hopefully they're connected and maybe some other folks will see this as a chance to get involved in a special way. All right. Done with Sunday night. Now, topic of the day, unity. And you may say, well, you didn't leave much time for it. I don't need much time for it. Because Northside's good at this. We are good at unity. Uh, we do a lot of things, and we put it into practice and figure out how to get along and just go fine. Um, but Ephesians 4, let's look at that again. That's where I wanted to start. read it a couple of times already today, but let's read it again. Ephesians 4, the first six verses. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And it goes on through the list of ones. But keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Like I said, we're good at that at Northside, but let me give you just a few fast tips on how to be even better at that. Uh, number one... Count others better. We talked about that last week. This isn't about you. It's about others. We're looking for ways to get folks 
involved, so count others better. Let me give you a hypothetical situation, extremely hypothetical. I'm not saying this is anywhere close to what's going on here, but let's say some congregation said we're going to start small groups. Okay? And there was one camp of people that loved small groups. This is great. This is wonderful. And there was another group of people that had had real bad experiences with small groups elsewhere and were afraid of them and liked things exactly the way they were and didn't want to change. Okay. Hypothetical. And they sit down and the two groups discuss things. And one group says, well, a small group is what I need. I'd get involved in one of those. I'd, I'd rather be with a smaller group of people. I think that'll help me grow, and I can help other people grow. And I just don't get that much out of Sunday night or Wednesday night or whatever else. And I really think small groups is the answer for me. And the other camp says, well, I, I'm just not a small group kind of guy. You know, it's not my personality, and I don't want to do that. I want to have things just the way they've been forever, and I want to come to church and have church, and that's what I want to do, and I don't want anything to do with small groups because they cause trouble some places. When the groups are through talking, ideally, here's what would happen ideally. They read Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. They say make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And they get back together and say, the small group camp says, okay, we've thought about it. We understand your position and all that. And we figured out you'd need us on Sunday nights. It would encourage the preacher. I know there's a lot of you I need to fellowship with. We could go out to dinner afterwards and kind of have our little small group maybe. It might work out that fine. So I'll give up my interest in small groups and I'll support you. And the other group would say, hold it now, not so fast. I've been thinking about this. And you need my involvement if you're going to make your small group successful. And I've got some skills that I think I can help some of these unconnected people get connected. I've been a Christian a long time. I think my wisdom would be helpful in a group. And I've decided that I want to help you with your small groups. Then the fight would start. That's what we ought to be fighting over, is how we can help the other one. You know? I'm not saying we've got to fight here or anything else. I'm just saying ideally, that's what that verse says. It's not about you in church. It's not about you in the Lord's kingdom. It's about counting others better. That's the way that ought to work out. We ought to say, you need me. You're more important than what I want. Count others better, number one. Number two, to keep unity in a congregation, always trust the elders. Now, I admit some elders go off track and they don't deserve to be trusted, but that's not the case here at Northside. We need to trust our elders. This is the kind of situation where we need elders. See, there's no scripture that says here's what to do. There's no one answer to this question. The the church newspaper, Christian Chronicle, asked the whole country, and nobody's got an answer. This isn't easy. Okay? So when there's no scripture, there's no one answer, 
our elders will do what is best for Northside. They always have, always will. And in fact, I'm thankful that we have elders that are willing to change in areas where there is no Scripture. Yet there are some elderships who would say, hold it, we mentioned this and somebody got upset. We don't want to stir anything up, so let's just forget it. Those churches will die fairly quickly. I'm thankful we've got elders that are willing to study something and change when they change is necessary. Number three, trust God. You know, God said, he was going to, Jesus said, he was going to build his church and the gates of Hades couldn't stop it. I trust him to handle that. I don't think the church is going to be destroyed because of one ministry or one change or one idea. And if he can take care of the whole church worldwide, I think he can take care of Northside. So I'm going to trust him on this one. Four, be open-minded. That helps maintain unity if you're open-minded. Uh, you understand, small groups, we, we don't know what will happen. We think we've got a target group that needs small groups, so we're going to start it. This thing may explode and in a good way. I don't mean blow up. I mean explode. There are studies out there that say not only have times changed, people get into churches differently now. A few years ago, when somebody wanted to be involved in a church, they would go to that church and become a part of the church, and then they'd start looking for involvement. Okay? The studies say today people are a lot more likely to come find a church that has something they're interested in, get involved in that something, and then after a while maybe become part of the church. A lot more people come in through something like small groups. If you've got a friend and you're in a small group and somebody's looking for a church and you say, hey, come over Tuesday night. They're a lot more likely to do that than come in looking for a church on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Okay. So with this may reach a whole new area of outreach that we hadn't even considered and don't know about. Um, may happen. Okay, fifth one, last thing I'm going to say. To maintain unity, pray. Pray. Ask God to bless this ministry. Now, whatever you think about it, whether you're very, very positive or very, very negative, ask God to bless it. If you expect good to come from this ministry, because of your experiences and past and personality and all that, you expect good to come from it, ask God to bless it more than you can possibly imagine. Okay, And if you're a little bit afraid of it, you expect some bad things to happen because of your experience and all of that, pray to God that absolutely nothing that you've ever heard about bad happens. Pray specifically for those things. Pray for the right people to get involved. Exactly the right people. And if you know one of them, put that name in your prayer. Say, God, this person needs to be in a small group. I pray you'll move him that direction. Not only the right people that need to be in a small group, but the people that need to be there to help others. There's people that got that gift of working with others in a small group and teaching and encouraging and all. Pray for them to get involved. 
pray for exactly uh, the kind of blessings that we want to happen from this. Uh, our elders have done a great task of studying this, considering it. We talked about that last time. Uh, they're ready to roll out the program. Uh, they've selected a ministry leader and have some initial steps that they're ready to tell us about. So following our invitation, uh, Brother Clayton's going to come up. He's going to be the kind of go-to guy on small groups. He's going to come up and tell you what's going on next. So uh, we'll do that in just a moment. The lesson is yours. I hope uh, you consider the things we said, and I pray that God will bless this ministry at Northside beyond what I can possibly imagine in you two. If you're here this morning and need to respond to the Lord's invitation anyway, we'd be happy to help you. We're going to stand and sing a song. You need to come, come. <laughs>